bug main. Buzz, buzz, buzz. We're going on tour with Struggle. I'm in so much struggle. Uh, struggle session will be appearing with bug main on the bug tour. We're going to be in Milwaukee on October 3rd, Cleveland, October 4th, and Detroit, October 5th. Uh, Kate is coming too. We're going to do Jack AM and struggle session and bug is going to do, you know, his, his, his old town revival, you know, with some, um, preaching, some lying, some motivational speech, uh, all sorts of shit. It's going to be a lot of fun. Only socialism will help my struggle. <laughs> I'm going with struggle session, Milwaukee, 10, three, Cleveland, 10, four, Detroit, 10, five. Yay. Uh, you can go to shop.bazizio.com uh, to get tickets. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, Leslie and I are going to be there. It's going to be, it should be a very fun show. High-tech special forces unit Foxhound. Your former unit. And one that I was a commander of. So they're still around. There are six members of Foxhound involved in this terrorist activity. Psycho Mattis, with his powerful psychic abilities. Sniper Wolf, a beautiful and deadly sharpshooter. Decoy Octopus, master of disguise. Vulcan Raven, giant and shaman. And Revolver Ocelot, specialist in interrogation and a formidable gunfighter. And finally, in charge of them... Foxhound squad leader, Liquid Snake. Liquid Snake. The man with the same code name as you. The nuclear weapons disposal facility covers the whole island. I'll instruct you by codec after you reach your target. Anyone going with me? As usual, this is a one-man infiltration mission. Weapons and equipment, OSP? Yes. This is a top-secret black op. Don't expect any official support. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third. I'm Jack Allison. And today we're doing an episode that people have been requesting basically since we started this mm -hmm. show. Um, we're finally going to do it. We're finally going to talk about Metal Gear, Kojima's epic, epic uh, stealth action series. Maybe one of the greatest achievements in art, you know, of my lifetime, I guess I, I would say. Totally agree. 100% yes. agree. Absolutely. Um, now, you may be wondering why we didn't talk about Metal Gear almost at all when we had David Hayter, <laughs> who actually was the voice of Solid Snake during the series on the show. And that's because, as you all know, we are part of the Podcasters Union and there is a code of conduct. Right. We're not allowed to talk with a creative about their own creative work, just other bullshit. Yeah. It would be unethical, and it is yeah. really is about it'd be stealing. It'd be stealing a take from a fellow podcaster if you did that. So that'd be fucked up. Is is really about ethics in podcasting mm -hmm. journalism? Um, but we do have a very special guest, someone that you, you know we had to get him on for this, and that is of course the premier um, Metal Gear Solid scholar of our time, and as of course of Chapel Trap House, Felix Biederman. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you, boys. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be on. 
Awesome, awesome. All right. So let's get into it. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, very long history, all coming from the brain of one brilliant uh, Japanese man. I just want to ask you guys, when was the first time you encountered uh, Hideo Kojima's beautiful, beautiful brain as a gamer? Um, I, I'll say that I played I played Metal Gear Solid uh, one. I, I didn't own a PlayStation, but uh, I was able to play it on uh, at friends' houses, and I was drawn. I've always been drawn in by the sort of uh, uh, I guess like peculiar rhythm of Japanese storytelling. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I mean it was kind of like uh, uh, from Metal Gear One was my my first uh, uh, dalliance with uh, with Hideo. I have a very yeah similar experience. I did not have a PSX. My friend did, and uh, I played the Psycho Manus boss fight at his house when right. I was eight. Came out in '98, um, and the part where you have to switch controller parts mm-hmm. was it, not just that it was a incredible sort of cinematic choice to make you feel more part of the game than anything else I'd ever played before, and I had mm-hmm. played a few games, you know, uh, it was. It was a level of depth to gameplay that I felt hadn't existed on console at the time. Yeah. Uh, very ahead of its time in a lot of ways. And it wasn't, but I didn't, I didn't really have my own until about 2001, I would say. No, 2002, because I saw, I saw an ad for um, Sons of Liberty. And it just looked like the cool. You remember the TV right. ads for Sons of Liberty, right? The, it looked. I mean, back then, I'm sure. I mean, now, of course, if you look at it, it looks like shit. But no, no, it no. It like, still looks good. Fuck. I mean, it, it still, still looks fucking cool. It's, like, it's stylized. It's stylized. But I do remember back then being like, "Oh, this is like looks like real life. Like this is as good as actual film uh, is." Yeah, my start actually was with the original NES games. And again, uh, also, I did not have an NES at the time. It was over at my brother's friend's house. He was playing like the original Metal Gear, and it kind of blew me away. And I feel like it set me on a specific path in life because it let me know that as a black gamer, I could play RPG games. I could play games <laughs> with like a persistent state where you're playing a character with a story where you have to gather this item him to do that thing like if, if i went down another path a lot, like a lot of my fellow you know black gamers do it would just be like uh madden tech mobile that sort of <laughs> that sort of thing but this really opened my eyes wow. to the world of like japanese rpg gaming i want to thank uh hideo for that wow incredible um i was gonna say though on that on that psycho mantis fight i do think that that's like that is the kind of perfect encapsulation i guess of like hideo's like storytelling style and also i you know i think that i was probably similarly shown that moment by a friend because it's almost like this kind of you know end of fight club like mind-blowing thing that you can share with people just in a little chunk but i think it's like this perfectly hideo thing because it's like meta but it actually like does fit within the storyline and also has a lot of like humor to it as well yeah, I think that is something I want to get into later on, uh, not to tease it up too much. But I think that that sequence, I bring it, I bring it up probably every single time I talk with, about Metal Gear with somebody uh, in this type of way. Because I think that it, it shows a lot of things that are brilliant about Kojima. First, it shows that he creates gameplay depth when there are hardware lim- – like there were – I believe there were very strict hardware limitations and how deep your gameplay could be on a game right. already that big on the PSX with the hardware we had at the time. And something like that is literally using everything you are given. Absolutely. Even if it's just one moment, 
it's amazing. It's really taking advantage of everything. Uh, but also, yes, no, it's a funny scene. There's yeah. a lot of funny. Metal Gear Solid One is one is a very dark game. Mm-hmm. It's it's a hopeful but mostly very dark and depressing game. But there's so much irony and tongue in cheekness in it. And I think it's interesting to compare it with contemporary games because I think my biggest criticism with uh, games now and single player games and even multiplayer focused games that have uh, a design element that is informed by their single player campaign, like the Battlefield series is mm-hmm. now, uh, they are so fucking self serious all the sure. time. And I feel like people never people never talked about how funny Kojima's games were on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like they meant to be funny. A lot of, they're very ironic because I do believe they're this is a larger theme. I don't think that a lot of Western audiences understand that Japanese creators could be ironic and funny and tongue in cheek. They just true. think, Oh, they're ridiculous yeah. in Japanese. It's like right. no, they have the same Kojima clearly has access to the same Western culture you have. He probably understands <laughs> irony pretty fucking well. Right. And he's obviously obsessed with movies and a film expert and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, like so. I recent let's so we'll just kind of go down the list of the five main uh, Metal Gear games. If you haven't played, like I do, want to tell people, you know, spoiler alert. I know it's very important that you tell people about spoilers, or else you know, basically, like you might get beat up um, if you uh, don't uh, give a. Well, spoiler you know the days. the don't spoil the end game. It's like Disney was all on this don't spoil the end game hashtag, and then you see like people in like China are like literally getting like the shit beaten out of them for spoiling the movie i'm like maybe i don't know who gives a fuck about spoilers but you're right leslie we live in spoiler culture don't get yourself beat up over spoilers please please don't don't even play better things to get injured over (laughs) (laughs) even if you're listening to this podcast in public make sure you have the volume really low because we would hate to have to accidentally spoil somebody who's near you I like right. the idea of someone getting mad because you spoiled the the French movie from 120 years ago where they hit the moon's eye. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I didn't yeah. know if they were going to hit that eye or not. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, you fucking pussy. <laughs> All right. So Metal Gear Solid 1. Um, mind-blowing game. I recently – I just played it a couple of months ago all the way through. It's probably – the game I've played through more than any other game from start to finish. I am obsessed with this game. I love this game. I played it so much when it was out. I still go back to it year after year. And I feel like maybe it might hold up better than any of the other Metal Gear Solid games, save for three. Cause the gameplay is just perfection. It's, it captured everything good about gaming up to that point and looked a couple years in the future and got some of that stuff too. Like f- from, from just the, you know, the 2D, like really tight 2D uh, gaming to the elaborate um, 3D storytelling. Like this game had it fucking all like fully voice acted on like that little CD disc. I don't know how they did it, but they managed to do it. Like the really compelling, gripping, as you said, Felix, dark, depressing, dealing with real issue story, but also a lot of humor too. And it still feels like a video game as video game like you might play on the NES. Like it brought 
together both these worlds that like is rarely right. if ever uh captured now i i think i was gonna say with regard to you know these mo- the the sort of tone of modern games and this battlefield thing and everything like that i think that modern games are kind of ashamed to be to be video games in a way that metal gear was never ashamed that it was a video game i feel like all the call of duties and like battlefront and battlefield and everything kind of want to like you know shout from the hilltops like we are as good as movies whereas i feel like metal gear he's like very happy that to be making video games that are fun and kind of funny sometimes absolutely absolutely and i would equivocate uh or i'd say that um kojima is analogous to james cameron in this sense because i think that they're what cameron did for terminator uh kojima did with metal gear and it's to say that it's not that they transcend. It's not that they transcended or subverted their genre with Cameron it being action movies and with Kojima it being video games. It's that they believed in their genre so much that they did every single thing they could do within them to show mm-hmm. how good it was, how much they believed in it. Terminator Two could be the greatest action movie ever. It's one of the greatest movies ever, and it doesn't try to. It doesn't try to be embarrassed at what type of movie it is. It doesn't try to subvert completely subvert what it is. It's shockingly uh, loyal to the genre, which is Cameron believed in his concept and his set pieces and the world he built, uh, world that they built so much with it. And it's similar with this game. This game, exactly. They're not like, oh, look, we're just like a movie. There are a lot of allusions to movies, mm-hmm. but it's just very, they're constantly reminding you it's a game. Constantly. Yeah. I mean, they during Psycho Mantis, who's built up as this, cinematically horrifying villain on par with anything you've ever seen in any type of supernatural thriller in the middle of it again they're like oh do change your controller port you're playing a video game by the way yeah he 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 reads your memory card and tells you what other konami games you've played and saved on there and like there's yeah yeah, and like it's this game like because it does both things because they would call it now you know breaking the fourth wall because the same you know codec where you're getting all these stories and these backstories on these characters is the same way that they tell you like you have to press x to crouch right like the same guy who's telling you like the story also tells you how to play the game and they have no like shame about this and they and they have these moments in all the Metal Gear Solid games but it's one that really kind of stands out in Metal Gear Solid 1 because it what they were trying to tell this new type of story there's very few games that have like a narrative as in-depth as this one at the time or even years after but they really like blew it away and I actually do think that like compared to like a lot of video games who want to be movies this game is probably one of the better ones because even like the little shitty low-res cutscenes have a cinematic quality to them like kojima understands things like camera angles and like depth of focus and all this stuff like just looking going back and looking at like the death scenes and all this stuff they have a very cinematic quality to everything and he really creates like this fully fleshed out world that you could imagine being a james cameron film with like a 200 million dollar budget absolutely yeah absolutely i don't know what i feel like yeah one would be the most primed to be a movie kind of it feels the most self-contained out of any of them but i yeah i they don't that's the great thing about them they don't have to be it, it, it to some extent, uh, 
you know, I, I feel like we'd have to accept a movie because I feel like we're probably never going to see these characters again through Kojima's eyes, which is uh, very unfortunate. But uh, but we will have Death Stranding, which I'm very excited about. I'm you super know, there, excited. There are that. like there's a part of me. We'll get to it when we get to five here where I'm like, it's such a shame that the series didn't get to like actually complete you know what i mean uh, uh but you know at the same time i'm like thank god he's finally moving on and doing <laughs> yes. something else yeah he clearly wanted to move on forever it just is a we'll get into it later but yeah it's a huge tragedy five wasn't allowed to become what it should have been so i i do there's so much good stuff in um and melger saw that one i really would implore anyone who hasn't played it like go track it down play it on the emulator on your phone if you have to because it's an amazing game my favorite moment from it is like the is the torture scene because it's not something you've ever seen in video games before where you are trapped you get kidnapped you get uh, captured by the bad guys and you're trapped and forced to go through torture multiple times kind of um james bond style but more brutal and if you lose if you give up if you break during torture um the main your main love interest dies like just a really like brutal cruel segment and that's the kind of storytelling i really like and completely changes like the game um ending as well if you do that if you if you do break on the torture, you have to ride off into the sunset with a goddamn nerd and otaku. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He does interesting things with the actual narrative that, in a way, like like we're talking about, is not you know just trying to approximate what film is, but actually is sort of playing more with like what you what ways you can do narrative differently in video games. Uh, uh, what ways you can like sort of break narrative uh, uh, in ways. All right. So anything else about Metal Gear Solid One? I think we've covered most of it i do want to say like just from jump the character design in metal gear solid throughout the whole series is just phenomenal phenomenal like all the characters look cool they look badass and they look different than almost anything else even though kojima is clearly you know paying homage to a lot of films and movies um he watched growing up um, especially american ones like he does do, do something new and interesting with the look and style of all these characters yeah, he really does. Uh, uh, Hideo, uh, uh, you know, Hideo has a, you know, uh, uh, Hideo is like actually a maybe uh, of of our modern age, like the only auteur that I sort of like actually think of as an auteur. Uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, he he is doing this very weird thing that is like kind of pseudo Japanese. There is some stuff in there that almost like plays out of like uh, uh, myth or something like that, but then also crossing over with like what sort of modern era uh, American you know, uh, soldiers look like and how they operate. It's, it's a very interesting kind of, yeah, like, it's got like there. a cyberpunk, like sci-fi edge to it as well. Like it always feels like it's taking place like just a few years uh, down the line. Yeah. And he was remarkably ahead of his time in a lot of this, like in his technological prognications, but that is that mythic quality is very important. Uh, it's why, now, I recent, somewhat recently uh, tried playing Metal Gear Solid uh, 1 uh, on PS3, like the PSX version on stream, and I found it – I want to either try to do it again on the Twin Snakes or just play it off stream because it was very difficult for me to remember how the, to play the game while also streaming and you know, kind of talking about it. Yeah. 
I did a horrible job. I completely fucking forgot how to play MGS. Look, look, look so Felix, I, 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 it's dark side Phil shit. Honestly. Let me no, no. Let me jump in. Let me jump in but, because the haters have been after you about this I, online. <laughs> I had to speak to this. I, at the same time you were playing on stream, I was playing by myself. Now I did do better than you, but that was because <laughs> I was by myself. I could take a break, look at game FAQs to remember what the fuck you have to do because this is a PS One era game. You don't always know what to do, where to go how to be so i think it's kind of unfair for you to have to go on twitch and play it cold as all no but <laughs> to be to be fair though i should have played it before though that's 100 my fault but uh i that first fight with uh psycho mantis i think per, uh, or um not psycho mantis what did i say that with gray fox completely uh uh it, it is a great example of that because you have this guy who is you know, both a nightmare and a miracle of the science and technology in this game, in that he's artificially kept alive and as a super soldier who can seemingly defeat anyone. But his psychic trauma and his almost spiritual need for someone to punish and kill him is what Dom is his animating factor. And there, I'd never, I there was never really something like that in a mainstream game, a character like that who just wanted to be punished and have an honest fight with the main character. Like, they're, you know, in fighting games, it's like, you know, I finally a match, but not someone who's like, I am, I, I have an existential need to be destroyed for my crimes. Yes. Never. And that, I my favorite, my, my favorite part of the game, uh, cinematically, is the entire pre-Jeep ending sequence. Liquid's uh, Liquid's monologue on top of Rex and also uh, Gray Fox's final moments are – they're more, I think, straightforward than a lot of other stuff in the game. But they're incredible. They're, yeah. they're, you, Liquid is such a fucking great character. He's such a better – he's such a better antagonist than Solidus. Solidus is just a dickhead. Solidus is just uh, cruel and uh, – um, uh, just, just cruel and angry at the world, and he feels he's owed a lot of things, which is also true of Liquid. But Liquid has a way of prying into Solid that Solidus could never do. Liquid is he's a completely like traumatized, insane, awful character, but that they more potent even than Gray Fox saying you're worse than me. I think because that's just like, okay, you can rationalize that. He's getting into my head. I had to kill the genome soldiers. But when liquid goes, no, you knew, you knew this was a lie pretty well on. You did it. The only thing, the only reason you're alive is to kill other things. It's the only time you feel good. You're as much of a abomination against nature as I am. We have no past, no future. Like that is, that has never been done, and I don't think will ever be done again. Yeah, and, and it's an ongoing thread where, you know, Kojima is kind of deconstructing the heroes that he grew up with um, through Solid Snake. It, it gets really it – get, this is uh, – Metal Gear Solid 1 is not Snake's low point. It gets even uh, lower for him as you uh, go along. So let's move along to Metal Gear Solid 2. Now, I have to say – Felix, you helped me reevaluate Metal Gear Solid 2 because I only played it 
one time, wow. maybe a year you were after. Not a two fan. Lately? I was not a two fan. A lot fan. of people weren't. Yeah, wow. a, lot, a lot of people didn't like it. I was not a two fan. I think there's some problems I have with it that still hold up. I think as far as gameplay co goes, it's worse than Metal Gear Solid One because it was trying to do. Um, more things like first person perspective stuff that video games just hadn't figured out yet and kojima was trying to do um the controls aren't as good as smooth as metal gear solid one or metal gear solid three it's kind of this odd middle child so i think that's still a knock against it but your analysis of the storyline made me really reconsider it like oh it's actually fine that i play as raiden for this whiny little petulant teenager this whole time um it's it's fine that like it was a bait and switch all that stuff it because it makes so much sense narratively and it's actually was really brave of kojima to take such a huge risk because before i didn't really get it I, i wasn't really into the hype as much i just played it kind of cold not knowing what was happening but I just want to thank you, Felix, for helping me kind of see the light on it. Oh, that I, that took me forever to get to because, you know, I was as someone who played like a little bit of one and didn't finish it before I played two. I was also one of those people who was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, where's Sna- Snake? So fucking cool. Where's right. Snake? And, you know, the little bit you do see uh, the bit of Snake you do see, you're like, oh, this is the coolest guy in the fucking world. But st- <laughs> you're still like, why do I still have to be this pussy? I- I think this once again is, you know, is is Kojima like playing with what you can do narratively with this form. You know what I mean? Like this is him once again, like we're so used to being Snake and we associate, you know, the entire Metal Gear game with like playing as Snake. And this is Kojima being like, well, you know. The point of the Metal Gear game was it was like this, this you know, a man going up against like, you know, gigantic circumstances. And so, like, does it really make sense for us to, you know, uh, go through a tutorial again as this man or something like that? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I think that this is him, like, again, sort of like pulling out the rug from under everybody. Because you also remember the way that this game was... Uh, um, First of all, there was a full demo. There was a demo with Zone of the Enders that was pretty much just the entire uh, tanker sequence. The entire and everything Snake at E3, yeah. ahead of time and everything, it was all Snake. Um, so this was like one of the great the great pranks of all time, I guess <laughs> I would have to say. <laughs> one of the greatest pranks that anyone ever pulled. And it's astonishing he got it all the way there without anyone knowing. I think that that would be like impossible nowadays. But it what an accomplishment... But uh, that uh, the I love the gameplay in into, in and I think the 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 tanker chapter is just one of the one of the best looking levels in terms yeah. of what it's trying to impress yeah. on you. But uh, I think that the, the two two is sort of a continuation of one's later themes of identity because it's like. When Snake says that, when Snake says that before, uh, you know, right before he points to his uh, I- I- infinity symbol on his bandana, another, <laughs> another, just like, yeah, no, we're very aware we're a game thing. Uh, when he says, you know, legends are bad news. I'm not a legend kid. He, that's not just empty rhetoric just showing he's a cool Jada guy. He Because you're literally doing everything he did just as this who this guy who appears to you the player is a whiny pussy you're like snake you're a legend oh holy shit i've done everything that snake did in one as this guy i hate 
Yeah, there are no legends. <laughs> I may like Snake's personality significantly more. He's a significantly cooler guy. But in terms of the reason, a huge part of the reason we think he's a legend, well, under the right conditions, we can kind of get anyone to do it. And that's the whole point of the game, that there is the our concept of heroism, our concept of great men in history. It is it is as simulated as anything else. It's com- it's completely brilliant and everyone, you know, myself include very much included. I'm far from the first person to realize this, obviously. Uh it took people many years to figure this out. And I do want to talk about, you know, the technological aspect of it. So uh part of the storyline is that, you know, there's a shadowy uh group of figures who are trying to control the world by what is like feeding people um, constant gibberish and garbage information so they don't really know what reality is. And I feel like basically that was what how Jack got the idea for Twitter uh, because it's <laughs> almost the exact same fucking thing. Right. I mean, the idea is, by the way, in here, this game came out just, like, right after 9-11. They even had to, like, remove footage of, like, you know, damage being done in New York because it was coming out right after 9-11. Damn, ahead of the time again. (laughs) He's talking about, like, informational control and, like, meme warfare and shit like that in 2001. Right, and, yeah, like, three years after it came out and we started learning about, more Americans started learning about the NSA, people were like, oh, Kojima was so ahead of its time. And it's like... We didn't even scratch the surface of how fucking ahead of it is. Because if you remember the sort of like left liberal internet space around the early to mid 2000s, it was like big brother. They're going to censor everything. And that has never been the future of information warfare. The future has just been there's so much fucking information out there. Most of it just garbage or most of it that is true, just meaningless to you that you don't need to censor anything. People's lives are completely directionless. They're drowning in every every aspect of their life that they should that they should not have to worry about. There's too much info like the the two concepts back then were that it's either 1984 or uh Brave New World, right? Yeah. You're either totally fucking inured and there's this rigid hierarchy or everything is completely suppressed. No one uh no one had quite conceived of the madman theory of information warfare and censorship. <laughs> and Kojima completely 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 understood this. And I think another thing that I like about uh, I like about this game and one you could say this about one too. I feel like the the sort of concept you have of the world when you're younger is that there is just this one great big evil force and everyone has to unite against it. And it's a Lord of the Rings vision of the world. It's childish. And I think people thought of just like, okay, we got Bush. That's the big bad. That's Sauron. We have to take him down. Where if you were on the right, it was like, all right, it's uh, terrorism. We got to take down Bin Laden. Whereas one a little bit more so to open you up to the idea of like maybe there are just dozens if not hundreds of powerful large bad organizations that are competing against each other to <laughs> d- decide who gets to declare the the rules of the next 
you know, next era of humanity. Right. If that even comes. I mean, look, like the idea I, again, I'm in I'm in like middle school when this game first comes out and you get to the end of the credits and it's and it's this talk about the Patriots and the la le lu le lo and everything. I'm like, well, I have to admit this was like foundational and in, uh, in terms of like how I view the world, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like opening me up to like these kind of ideas. <laughs> Finding out the Patriots have been dead and we don't really get a full conclusion on that until four uh, is that is the perfect way to send it off yeah because you know a lesser game would be like oh everyone's strings were getting pulled but the the greatest game series of all time is like no one's even pulling the strings are getting pulled and no one's even pulling them really yeah <laughs> you know? everyone's just pulling each other's strings there's just a convoluted mess of proxies and 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 forces and organizations that the world is just awash in chaos. Yeah. Always. Cube tried to pull the same thing, the Canadian horror film, kind of tried to do the same thing, but it's done much better um, here. So uh, moving on. Oh, I do want to say one thing about like the, when the Colonel starts freaking out on you and like start speaking, sputtering gibberish, one of the best gameplay moments um, I've ever had in the game. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I, that, I, that I like everything. The Colonel freaking out was great because yeah, I think it's a perfect distillation of, you know, just the uninitiated person trying to use the internet now because there's this <laughs> Colonel, he has this little bit of truth, like him and Rose, when they're like, we tell kids they're unique, but and then like tell them to cut each other's throats and get over on each other. No one's happy. It's just constant advancement and backstabbing. And then it just gibberish. And you're trying to find the thread, and there is no thread you can find. It's just this fucked up algorithm that once in a while produces something usable. Um, that, and I think an underrated part of the game that I don't see a lot of people talk about now, I love the character of Fortune. Oh, yeah, I yeah. She's oh, cool. yeah, Fortune's a great character. I feel like Fortune is is great, and because Fortune has this role which is to say if everything is controlled and managed and there is a sort of purposeful chaos to further to replicate conditions and types of people and events then you have to account for the black swan events to take something from race theorist nasim taleb uh you you have to account for the complete unexpected and that is fortune like when she blocks the missiles after her nano machines are off, people could say that's a cheesy moment, but I love that. It's like there are the game is saying like there are just things science can't explain at all. There are things, there are outliers. You can program for every possible outcome, and you'll be right most of the time. But there are some things that you just can't anticipate. Why her heart is on the right side of her body for no fucking reason. Like I, I, I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> there are freak outliers that you can't possibly ever explained even when you can uh, technology is is god and there's a character like vamp all right so moving on to metal gear solid 3 um metal gear solid 3 is very interesting game it's probably my favorite metal gear solid um 
does Kojima did a lot of interesting shit with this one. Uh, first, he took us all the way back to the past where we're playing not as Solid Snake, but actually as Big Boss, his uh, Solid Snake's father in this Cold War era, very uh, like old school spy style thing. With also and with the gameplay, um, you know, further doing his thing where he's toying with the medium he brings in like survival elements gameplay elements and time-based survival gameplay elements things like you have to eat and find food and if you take a couple of days off from the game your food will spoil um if you come back from the game after too long you'll like be in a dream state and have a nightmare where you're playing a different video game when you turn on the playstation i was so freaked out one time when i took a little break from it turned it back on and i'm like playing this completely bizarre like sword fighting game I'm like what the fuck is going on like there's all these little <laughs> things and these details that, that he has in this game it's like it's just a fantastic game and the gameplay is just superb uh superb i think he really like took everything he was trying to do with two and just basically perfected it um with metal gear solid three yeah i, I metal gear solid three is like if it's not the greatest game of all time. I think you have to put it in the top three. Yeah, And I think uh, you see a huge difference between three. I think the two most important games of sort of my uh, adolescence, Metal Gear Solid 3 and GTA San Andreas, very normy choices, but, you know, I, I, I love them for a reason. And I think they're, they're very similar to each other in that they showed this was a path that games could have, could have taken, but they really didn't. Uh, there was something beyond depth for depth's sake. There was a ton of stuff to do in these games and a ton of stuff you had to do, but they, they weren't just artificial things to force you to feel connected to your character. They complemented the world around them and made you feel more connected to it. It didn't make you, it's not that it made you feel more connected to the character. It's that, your character felt like part of this world you were playing in, you know, whether it was the custom of the, how much, how customizable mm. San Andreas was and the, the, how the much eating work the... out, get really buff or get yeah. really fat. I actually did like having a very fat Carl. Everyone loves <laughs> <San Andreas>. <laughs> There's like a very popular YouTube video that just all the fat uh, CJ quotes. Everyone <laughs> loves the fat CJ random dialogue with pedestrians, <laughs> but, uh, and three is very much this way too. I mean, I remember yeah. when there were previews about it, I was like, I was very skeptical about the eating and hunting mechanic because I was like, oh, that just sounds like a lot of bullshit to do. You know, if I wanted that, I would play fucking, I would play an Elder Scrolls game, you know, so like an RPG where you expect that type of mechanic. But the way it was done, mm -hmm. it, you, you were so part of that world that you didn't even think about it as a to-do mm -hmm. it was just another element of tension this is also once again this is in a weird way also like kojima rejecting once again making the same game again like two was his kind of response to like if you want me to make it just another metal gear here's what that means we have to play as a different person in like a different setup but it's a similar you know style and everything like that three is like okay we will let you play as snake again but it's a different man. He's not Snake. And we are going to be in like a completely different type of uh, of 
of espionage for the entirety of the game. Like, so the jungle environment and the camouflage shit, like, like I, I never, like, those intro levels, like, they can be, like, they're as difficult as you make them because I'm used to playing, like, I was used to playing the first two Metal Gear as, like, if you fuck up, you start over. That's it. You let the guards shoot you to death, and that's it. With this one, like, the guards are kind of, like, more persistent. Like, they'll follow you between screens and shit, So, but you have more options to, like, you know, save yourself and kind of reset. So it didn't feel as cheap to, you know, kind of just hide and let the timer run out because you're not in as such an enclosed space. You've, you're in kind of like a not necessarily kind of like an open world so like yeah it kind of makes sense if i do go three screens away like the guards will eventually go away so i'm not really cheating myself of a you know a good stealth experience if i go ahead and try to run the timer out you're right it does feel less like uh yeah it does feel less like a cheat like you actually can hide from them and everything like that Uh, um yeah, and also just like the very world of it is different. Like the like Metal Gear One and Two are very um uh, uh very map based. You're really just looking at that map, and you're looking at like the cone of view that's available from the from the guys. Three does away with that almost entirely, and starts and starts in with this sort of like more sound based system. Yeah, you have to use batteries to you, even to even use the like sonar and everything. Like you're he want he, he wants you to be like looking at the screen and like actually you know thinking about what to do instead of just looking at the map and kind of playing on the map you're playing on the the screen yeah i mean two was these incredible set pieces like Mm -hmm. i still think arsenal gear could be my favorite level ever designed in a game because of how utterly horrifying it is that is the looming specter of you know, whether it's the military industrial complex, the surveillance, whatever you want to put in there, that is it. You are in the colon of this animal that is devouring you and you're completely naked. And it's one of the best designed things. But this is and, and this is a very Tom Friedman thing to say, I'm afraid. But oh, no. three is a bigger game because you everything is much sort of on a smaller scale. I think this is be the CQC system does this perfectly. Like mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, in 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 fucking in in two, you get you get a stinger missile and you're having this amazing battle of giant robots. But how really deep is that combat compared to just your average combat against a sentry now in three? Yeah, the you're you have so many more options. You have so many more mm-hmm. abilities. The movement's totally different. It's it's. One million times deeper than almost any boss fight in two or one. Uh, just your average combat, like evading the ocelot unit alone, is a much more involved gameplay experience than even fighting all the Metal Gear rays as Raiden in two. Yeah, it, yeah uh, I would. I mean, again, that's another one example of him. Like he refuses to make the same game. He will not do it. <laughs> he just refuses to make the same game. There's, which is amazing because they yep. are kind of all the same game. That's the they most are. amazing thing. <laughs> what the the fuck? Yeah. Dead Cell is exact. There, you see them right. exactly in yeah. three, exactly, yeah. and it's the same idea. Like Big Boss, who like first we know of as just this fucking horrifying warlord, 
every criminal villain and then as this legend and then you meet him and he's almost like virginal he is he's virginal yes yeah like, he's a very sweet he's, boy <laughs> he's, yeah, he's the protagonist from the english version of uh wicker man yeah right? like, he, he's he like he's complete like even though he's like a Green Beret and a fucking CIA Special Activities Division operative, he's completely naive. Mm-hmm. He's completely, you know, uh, country, mission, all that. And he's just put through the ringer all the t- through the end. Every time you think he loses a fucking eye and it takes him still to the very end to get to get his fucking heart broken yeah. <laughs> twice to be like, all right, fuck this. <laughs> And we, I mean, we truly don't really see, I mean, we'll get into five later, but we do kind of see the guy he became in the seventies, like Mm -hmm. in the replay of the first mission of five, where it's just all the cool fucking one liners and the the trickery and just like, how could, how could this, how could Jack do this? And it's (laughs) because he's literally been destroyed and recreated as this human blister, but it is. It, it does. It's you know again hammering in that point from two again. You think this guy is the coolest fucking guy in the world, or you think he's the scariest guy in the world? There are no heroes. There are no heroes. No one is born being who they are. This guy who ended up being the imprint to create the perfect soldier until he was about thirty was like, oh gee, what do I do? You know, he is Johnny Sasaki in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yes, uh, absolutely. Well, speaking of, let's move into Metal Gear Solid 4. Well, we should mention quickly oh. the very cool sequence where you have to face everyone that you killed. Oh, uh, it, oh I think my God. Two and so three good. kind of play with this idea of that you shouldn't kill people. Two, <laughs> two plays with that you should knock them out so you can get their dog tags. That was like the big collectory thing in two. And three outright makes you like face how much death <laughs> you've caused in the game and like makes a moment like longer and sort of just more more time consuming really uh uh and I, I mean that was a moment that that was like your sort of uh mind-blowing uh uh sort of meta narrative moment in three yeah i that that is one of the great yeah that is incredible and the sorrow is a great understated character like the previous two characters that have told us, like, why are you doing this? You're a fucking murderous freak or very over your head. But the sorrow, like both that river, but also the sorrow's uh, entire story, why he is a ghost, <laughs> why he cries, bl- why he has this sad smile mm-hmm. and blood comes out is because he's showing you, like, not just am I going to show you the death you've caused and the sorrow you bring into the world. I am going to show this is what happens when you're just a tool. You end up like me. You're a fucking ghost that haunts this no man land of the Cold War. It sucks. <laughs> and uh, that and I mean, the end, the end is just even just an incredible technological accomplishment. Yeah. Like just the, yeah. the uh, house big that map is that you can take it out and and the secret that i accidentally learned if you uh stop playing that fight um for a long time and get come back to it he just dies of old age yeah (laughs) yeah 
like they're, right they're, like all the boss fights in in Metal Gear Solid 3 are real like all the Metal really Gear cool. Solid games have great boss fight well except 5 of course unfortunately but um in yeah. 3 like they're just really next level like all of them are just so fun like even the one where you're just riding around on like a four-wheeler shooting rockets at Metal Gear and like there's just so many like great moments in the game it really feels like an like the dream, your dream James Bond movie, uh, you know, come to life. And I think uh, Kojima's really going for that, and he really fucking hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I like that the bosses run the gamut between, like, you know, very, very, like, cool and mystical, like the end and the sorrow, Mm -hmm. and just ridiculous. The Pain and the Fury are ridiculous characters, and the game knows it. Like, (laughs) The Fury is like funny. Like I, I Kojima knows that he's funny. Like there is the the sorrow in the end. The end has seen how many deaths has he caused in his life, and he's practically just a human plant. Mm-hmm. And the sorrow is just he's this reminder of your disposability and the pain you cause in the world. And then you just have this guy who's like I went to space and it made me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I fucking love it. Yeah. Um, well, should we move on to uh, four? Yeah, move on to four there. Moving on to Metal Gear Solid 4. Okay, the game that you have to buy a PS3 to play because it's not available anywhere else, but I I guarantee you it is worth it because this game, even when I play it now, it still feels like next gen. There was, yeah, it does. It takes place, you know, in the future. It still looks fucking great. There's so yeah. many ideas and concepts in here that like Kojima just bombards you with to let you know that, okay, this is going to be the next 10 years of gaming. Like this is what is happening now. I hope you're and he pre- was right. Oh, they all it, like it's like they all just used this like palette for the games for the next 10 years. Yeah. It's just literally. All, call, yeah. yeah. Call of Duty was like. Oh, thanks for doing our design for us. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's literally like Call of Duty, like just used like the wall textures for a long time. Then they got to the robots like two years ago. They got yeah. to his robot designs. Yeah, they got to his robot shit. Meanwhile, like I, I, I like how, yeah, after Call of Duty made how many Activision made how many billions of dollars just ripping that off, and then the final Metal Gear comes out, and it's just like, yeah, it's the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like even like that like little cone that surrounds you when you're right. moving around to show you where the enemies are, and it's like a yeah. waveform, like that, just so much brilliant. Yeah, the AR, AR, like sort of uh, uh, maps and things like that. Like that's just been in everything since then. Like it's just such a brilliant. Brilliant game that I really feel is underappreciated because it's only available on this one system that will possibly never be emulated ever. Um, yeah. And I don't think Konami is going to do a, like a re- PC remaster re-release. No, I think that they'll they'll like uh, purposely like do a full remaster and then show everyone that they're deleting all the files. <laughs> they'll just make a video a live stream that <laughs> the files are deleted forever and you'll never get it. Uh, <laughs> just as a fuck you to Hideo. So I think this was the game where they finally like finally like nailed kind of the shooting aspect of it where you know it is primarily a stealth game you know mogar solid games are stealth games but this is the first one where like i really felt the gunplay was just like spot on and that's why there are like tons and tons of fucking guns in it but like just 
I, I have so much fun running through this game. Like it just feels so like big and in depth and like there's a fucking war going on while you're there and mm-hmm. it feels so real. Like you could figure it out. You can peek around the court and see like, okay, this is what's happening. You can like you you can read between the lines and figure out what's going on in the game. But the first time you playing it, it just feels like you're you've been dropped into fucking Fallujah, basically. Yeah. With uh, with mechs. yeah it does feel huge it just feels like there's so much going on in that first sequence and now there is some weird there like four is an odd one it's a it's such an odd game because there's so many different areas it's like the first metal gear where it's a little more like episodic kind of yeah but that almost like you know heightens out like what a like sort of gigantic blockbuster achievement it feels like it's like he did different environments for each Metal Gear, and in this one he was like, "We're gonna do all of them. Yes. We're gonna do every single one, including ones that he do, uh, had done before." Because, like, it was a really like because he did do another surprise with this again. Because you only see like in all their advertisement, they only showed the first act. They only showed like the uh, the Fallujah, the Iraq uh, setting, all the other environments, like the Return to Shadow Moses. All of that, they didn't never show any of that in any of the ads. So playing through this cold, it was just like such a surprise. And you and you really didn't know like why Snake was old. You thought that okay, this play takes place in the future. Maybe it's the far future. But when you when you play in the game, you get the heartbreaking realization is that, oh no, this is the guy that you were playing at like like five years ago this is just him now he has been deteriorating because of the virus like this big badass hero that you loved and have been waiting to play for this isn't him going out on his sword as an old man who's lived a full life like this is him like his accelerated degeneration him like having to deal with the fact that the woman that he loves like can never love him because he's ancient instead she ends up with the fucking dork he should have killed like 10 years ago like all this sort of like pathos that snake is going through you experience and play through during the game and it's again hideo deconstructing this heroic myth yeah like that it, it comes full circle because one, two, three, four, and five comes full circle because in one, it's like, well, yeah, you are this cool guy, but how cool is it to be like, how cool is it to, you know, just be able to kill everyone? And are you even you? What is your identity? Uh, two is like, oh, well, you know, all that cool shit you did, uh, it could just be replicated. You get some guy that you hate to do it. Uh, three is like, oh, and the guy you're copied off of. He was he was like cool for maybe like five years and that wasn't even cool. <laughs> and then four, it's like, oh, okay, but the original guy we played as, he's we finally get to go back to him. What's he up to? Oh, he's every moment of his life is fucking agony and regret. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and then and then five is like, oh yeah, you're not even you, and it's because the guy, <laughs> the third one. Just turned into a monster of a human being. <laughs> well, let's. Have you both played uh, um, uh, Peace Walker? I yes. Let's not forget Peace Walker. Peace Walker is actually up there. Uh, I uh, love Peace Walker. I think Peace Walker is like a contender for maybe the best gameplay of any of the Metal Gears. Um, uh, I think it just is like so clean. Uh, I don't know. I love Peace Walker. Uh, uh, and and that Peace Walker almost like 
it makes it feel all the more tragic that uh that you know uh big boss became who he is in five yeah no peace what yeah peace walker is like the last bits of idealism that big boss had while trying to follow uh trying to follow what the boss like this is a great thing about the boss it was pointed out by immolations on twitter one of the foremost authorities on metal gear that the big that the boss in five she's like a radical centrist <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no idea what the fuck she actually wants you listen to her desire and it all sounds very nice and then you actually break it down and you're like wait what <laughs> what are we trying to do yeah, yeah what, what do you actually want and it's the boss it's big boss now he he's assumed this mantle and he's tr- trying to be this moral person in this insane world and he kind of succeeds and then we see he just completely fu- it breaks him he can't do it anymore he completely fucking gives it up but peace, yeah peace walker is fucking brilliant and i guess uh we can't really talk about uh get into five without talking about ground zeros which i think if you're going to objectively rate games ground zeros is better than five because five isn't finished it's not not kojima's fault but five is fault but you're right the five is flawed five is probably the most flawed of all the metal gear games and it's because they stole it from <laughs> yeah it. absolutely but ground zeros is i would rate ground zeros higher than beast walker because peace walker is great but it's a very like colorful and like light i'd say comparatively sure. light-hearted game and then Ground Zeroes is just horror after horror. Yeah. And talk about, like, I mean, talk about, like, politically courageous for a game. Oh. You're going into Gitmo and interrogating, like, the Marines are the bad yeah. guys. <laughs> but, and I, the main story, the main, you know, one hour or so mission in Ground Zeroes is amazing. It's incredibly tense. It looks fucking amazing. I think just like pure gameplay mechanics, Grand Zeroes and Five are like you'd have to just say they're the best. They're perfect. A Fox engine, yeah. But those extra missions in Ground Zeroes is very unfortunate. A lot of people didn't play them because they're the. Did it, you guys play the Glass and Palettes mission? The one with the uh, two yeah. soldiers. Uh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where yeah, it's a classic Metal Gear buildup where it's like the entire time. Kaz is in your ear and he's like these are the these guys are so fucking bad like we had like these these are the worst of the worst right you know vietnam wants these guys it's easy go and and you're just like even after everything you're learned just like yeah fuck yeah let's fucking get these guys and then you get to them and it's like they're just discarded shards of people who did these horrible fucking things and for nothing and like i think it's Palettes is like just kill me just fucking yeah me. yeah i don't want to fucking be alive which you know i and, didn't really appreciate as much because it is a kind of a pain in the ass to get to him like you put in all this work <laughs> yeah but i well i mean the first time i played through it was just like yeah one tap both of them but i wanted to talk to them and it's like yeah i knew i knew there was something up the sleeve like th- that i wish that game could have been longer i think part of its brilliance was that it's so short the extra missions were great Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, I loved I loved Ground Zeroes and the like the ending of Ground Zeroes is ridiculous where the bomb is and everything everyone's talking yes, about yes, it. But I, I, it's it, cool. It, it's cool. I say it is cool. It is cool. <laughs> it, is cool. cool yeah. it is cool because it's like after you like three has a lot of campy elements. Four does have some ridiculous elements, but four is mostly a brutal story. Just fucking brutal. You are snake in that microwave all yes. the entire fucking game. <laughs> uh, 
just and Peace Walker is fun. Yeah, it's Peace fun. Walker's like cute. You like uh connect like balloons to people yeah. and fly them off to <laughs> yeah. your base to make them yeah. join your base. Yeah, you're making you're making it's it's Deadwood. It's a bunch of crazy people making their own society. They don't know how to. <laughs> uh, and then Ground Zero is just like no. There's no fun in the world. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> dies. Every pure person just fucking dies horribly. Yeah. yeah. I do want to say somebody had the temerity to tell me on my timeline that um, Splinter Cell is better than Metal Gear Solid. And Ground Zero proves that that's bullshit because in um, the, you know, the kind of reached the last uh, Splinter Cell that came out where like you had you know the terrorists were taking on american imperialism and you are fighting explicitly to protect american empire and the rights for our us to have bases all over the world there is a mission where you also go to gitmo at, at but in the difference between you know mel gear and splinter cell is in splinter cell if you harm the hair on one marine it's game over you have to start again in mel gear solid you can murk the entire fucking base and no one's gonna give you any shit about it <laughs> right and yeah i well like metal gear solid is more like the moral gray the moral gray area in splinter cell is like uh, sometimes it's like not good to kill a guy. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Metal Gear Solid, it just it just throws you out there, and you have to figure it out. And I would say, like, Chaos Theory is one of the greatest games ever made. I lo- I adore Chaos Theory, but it the series peaked then, and it just became every other fucking Ubisoft game where they just want everyone who plays you know twenty feet away on their fifty foot or fifty inch TV <laughs> to be able to you know do the pogger plays. Just there's just aim assist for somehow every single action. Yeah. Just join giant arrows telling you how to do everything. Conviction is dog dick. Blacklist is dog like Blacklist is. It's like better than conviction, but it's still so fucking easy compared to uh, Pandora Tomorrow and Chaos. Theory. I do have to defend Blacklist because I did, was able to bond with my wife playing the co-op missions with it, and I would recommend for any uh, gamers um, with wives or husbands, it's a good bonding experience, especially the missions where if you even make one mistake, you fail and have to start over, and you know whose fault it is. That's really good for playing with a significant other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, those are great. Like there are flashes of the old Splinter Cell in Blacklist, but yeah. I'd say, like, for a while, you know, you would have to give a gameplay, like, just pure gameplay mechanic advantage to Splinter Cell, uh, even if you love Metal Gear significantly more, as I did and many people do, just because the world's so much yes. cooler than this Tom Clancy nonsense. Uh, but that goes out the window, starting with Peace Walker and Ground Zeroes, because it's like, oh, no, they completely caught up with the mechanics, and the mechanics now in Metal Gear are significantly more fun. Yeah than Splinter Cell. And also, they're never going to make either game again. You know, there's never going to be a new Splinter Cell because it doesn't make Ubi enough money. So, right. Sorry, man. You'll get a Splinter Cell skin in the uh, Assassin's Creed games at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm surprised they still... One of my favorite, like, games now to play on PC is Siege. And I can't believe they still support it. It's like doesn't seem like something any company would do because well, there's lots of DLC in Siege, right? Isn't it like aren't they always adding? Isn't it like kind of League of Legends ish where they like add new characters and shit? Yeah, yeah, they do, but it's like surprisingly, I I I'm just I'm surprised. See, Siege is great. I fucking love Siege. I can't believe Ubi makes it. 
Yeah, it's a pretty good game, actually. <laughs> that game is pretty good. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm just learning it. I'm playing yeah. with Andrew from E1. He's amazing at it. I'm trying to... They fucked up Fortnite really bad, so I'm playing a lot of CS oh. and Siege. Oh. Do you like Apex at all? Do you play Apex? I didn't really lo- I didn't really care for Apex. I, I, see, like it's like, I fell I, off. I liked it, but I fell off very quickly. See, the thing is, I don't think I like Battle Royale games. Fortnite isn't really a Battle Royale game because it's like you have, like this, amazing, game. <laughs> you have this amazing skill gap mechanic right. in the building where you could just play. It doesn't play like another BR game right. because you could just rush people and just fucking shit on them with your building. <laughs> the only time it's actually a BR for me is like if you play like the online competitive mode, which is also super fun, but like a lot more involved. But yeah. I, uh, but yeah, that's a whole tangent. I guess we have to get on to <laughs> yes, five. Yes, we now. have to get on <laughs> I think to, we five. Have to talk five. Yeah, we have to talk five. I, let's start the uh, pauses first. The fucking intro mission with the David Bowie and you yes, in the bed yeah. and the man on fire <laughs> and the little kid, the little psychomantis <laughs> kid. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. The best first 15 minutes of any game you'll ever see. I, 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 I have to say, you know, like, once you get into this game, you see the potential for the absolute brilliance of it. The game, even with, you know, after that very controlled introduction uh, to the world, it's very strong. And then you finally, you're on your horse, you're in the middle of Afghanistan, and it's time to fucking go. The gameplay is perfect. It's it's perfect. Like mm-hmm. the way that everything, like people were really skeptical that you could do a truly open world Metal Gear Solid. And I think for the most he part, it. he did it. He did it. He, he, did. he, he really yeah. achieved it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's an incredible world. Like Afghanistan, Afghanistan, Afghanistan and uh, Africa, they look beautiful. They look absolutely beautiful. The gameplay mechanics itself are incredibly deep and fun. Like, just fultoning, fultoning everything to build your perfect base is fucking... I love the Fulton so system fun. so much. I it, love it, it. I love that it returned. He brought it, it back. Is so, it's such a thing that, like, it's the type of thing that I think is just a bridge too far. I'm like, come on, balloons, come on. I'm trying to play my, you know, serious sniper, <laughs> you know, Metal Gear Solid game. I want, you know, my pathos and my anger and my dad, my mommy issues, and I want all that shit. But, like, goddamn, if I don't have a ton, then spend, like, hours just folding shit back <laughs> in the base still. Just because it's so satisfying and so fun. Yeah. No, I I I feel like that could have been like um I don't know. If it was allowed to be completed, the Fulton wouldn't have felt like as weirdly like weirdly out of place just thematically. There is some like MGS five I think is like the least funny game. Just on the virtue that it didn't get to be finished. It is very dour. It's very, very dour. And there are elements of like irony and comedy like the the it's almost it's almost it is a case of art imitating life because kojima the game is medic and kojima is big boss and we see like (laughs) a little bit of that in the replay of the first mission when we understand who big boss is and you know he he uh dispatches of who later turns out to be quiet and he goes, um, oh, she needed a light. That's like, oh, that's old Metal Gear. And then you're just back at it. It's just very depressing. But there are some little things like the, uh, like, um, 
you know, the the whole thing about creating the perfect burger, but just on virtue of it being finished, we never know what it could have been. Yeah. Thematically. <laughs> right. And there is like, there, like the stuff that you can do in it, like the sort of extra ending and all this kind of stuff. It just feels like, it just feels very like strange and unfinished. Like there was probably something that he intended to do with all the bases interact interfacing with each other and everything like that. But it kind of is this like big open world thing that ends up just kind of like bleeding off into nothingness. Uh, and then there's just a like perfunctory metal gear fight that kind of doesn't even feel like it makes that much sense. No, yeah, the ending, the ending sucks and it's not their fault. It, yeah. That game needed another year at least yeah. to be, did you see like this? What what was supposed to happen with Liquid and Sahelanthropus? No, no, no. I actually haven't even seen that. There's a, there's a mission they didn't get to complete. Like look it up on YouTube. Uh, Eli like gets Sahelanthropus and basically has like a Lord of the Flies world. Oh wow! With all the rescued kids. Oh, see that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and he he gets like. He gets, uh, he gets the vote. He gets the vocal cord parasites, and bought and medic just leaves him to die, because he just he sees him as like this, just bad seed, just this evil little bad seed. But little mantis comes by and telekinetically removes the vocal cord parasites from liquid ah. at the oh. postscript. It would have been so Wild. fucking cool, and there would have been a fight between the remainders of the XOF unit. And Outer Heaven and Eli's Lord of yeah. the Flies as well. It would have been incredible, but yeah, no, never got to there, be finished. There are so, some really great scenes, like I, like the like the horror level where you're like going in and everybody has the vocal parasites. That level is fucking brilliant, and the fact that it came in the middle of this kind of go at your pace open world game made it yeah. feel all the more like serious and real. Like I, I really think the open world aspect added a lot to it. It's just that like there needed to be like five or six more like story based missions and you know bosses uh, um, besides um, what were they called what were they called like the the ghost unit besides the ghost unit they were fun to yeah. fight but they weren't really like boss bosses you know no absolutely not like the fight between like the ghost unit snipers was really cool mm -hmm. but it was like the it, why can't we fight the flaming ghost of Volgan I mean. I did. I did like what happened, and it was a completely spelled it out for people who didn't already catch on by the end that uh, medic was not big boss. When Volgan just looks at him and goes, "Eh, not my guy," <laughs> but um, it it was very lacking for those. I did. I think like the one funny element that I think was on one of the funny elements that I think was actually on purpose is uh, Skullface, right. I think, think, yeah, I think he's a little pushed and on purpose, like over the top in that sort of classic uh, Kojima way. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Ground Zero was completely dark, very few lighthearted moments, just completely horrifying. But uh, I feel like uh, five, it was going to be sort of like a mix. It was it was going to be the perfect send off where it's there are these heart wrenching scenes, you know, I won't scatter your sorrow into the heartless sea. But there were going to be these funny moments. And I feel like in a more completed game, we would have been able to see how much Skullface was that because in in Ground Zeroes, Skullface is like you're like, this is the most purely evil yeah. character I've ever seen in this series. But in 
in in in uh five, he's just like he just gives his stupid his hairbrained monologue to the wrong guy that he's been chasing for like nine <laughs> yeah. years. Just the total wrong guy. And his idea is so stupid. It's so fucking dumb. And his fucking men have to listen to him. And he just, then he just gets fucking crushed by a child. <laughs> it's so funny. It is really funny. And like, I feel like in a complete game, people would be like, that is one of the funniest things Kojima's ever done. But because it's unfinished, it just feels like weird and out of place. Right. Like, and rushed. And rushed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think, I think, a, I think a, the fact that his yeah. name is Skullface belies the fact that he's a little bit of a joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do like, I do like it with their inconsistencies of that. Because, yeah, in Ground Zero, you're like, yeah, this is this is Ramsey Bolton. This is like the one purely <laughs> evil character, and then yeah, he's still he's still a piece of shit. But it's just like this guy's kind of fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like yeah, this guy sucks. Ridiculous moron. Like, because of. you're you're yeah. a better I, like, villain than him. Ultimately, you're Yo. such a better villain than him. And I love I, my Ground Zeroes. The end of Ground Zeroes when Boss is fighting XOF on on mother base is so fucking cool one of the coolest cinematics mm-hmm. uh, but the guy in i think maybe that's his point like i think maybe like a big part of five is like revenge is pointless and it will turn you into what you hate but also like it will turn you into a parody of yourself like what happened in Skullface. like in, in, in yeah. ground zeroes he's horrifying he's like a horrifying badass and then you get involved with all this corny shit and ideology and stuff like that <laughs> yeah and it turns you into a goofball yeah you just you end up just telling a guy who's been brainwashed about your plan to give every country nukes because you don't know hungarian anymore <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so fucking stupid it's so dumb <laughs> yeah uh and yeah, I, I wish it could have, you know, I do, the comedy of that scene is brilliant, but I wish it could have been, I wish Big Boss could have heard it, because it's just like, that's the dumbest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. <laughs> and, and so, of course, we get to the revelation ending that you are not playing as Big Boss, you're playing as just some lackey soldier that, uh, some creative character that you made in the uh, first um, five minutes of the game without even thinking about it. They don't even tell you what it's for. They're just like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, pick a face, pick a name, like, okay, like whatever. And you've been brainwashing and thinking you're Big Boss and Big Boss is just kind of the guy who gave you a thumbs up. At, who is Kiefer Sutherland, by the way? We haven't mentioned on the episode yet. Yeah. They, they did switch to voices. Controversial decision. Yeah. Um, co- Which is an odd decision. And I think just just it just was really Hideo wanting to work with American actors. I really think it was that. Because the Japanese voice actor is the same. Uh, uh, between all the metal, he, wa- he just games, wanted so to meet I, Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> I really think that's what it is. Like it, yeah. it does, kind of it changes the game. I'm not necessarily say it hurts it, but it changes the game because he clearly could not afford to get Kiefer Sutherland to talk as much as David Hayter, and so Big Boss is pretty quiet in these games. And I think uh, I don't know if that really kind of helps the narrative of your playing as a phony as a fake or not i'm kind of undecided on it right now yeah i i i ultimately think that you know given as big a uh, a big a franchise as this and how many you know records of uh you know hideo's like nearly unbroken record of of uh hits i i think this is just the rare miss to be honest with you i i uh 
I don't know if he knew the series was going to end like, uh, you know, with this one or whatever, but it does feel, you know, sort of very off to me that there's this, the final Metal Gear game and it's not David Hayter. Um, I, I don't know. It does not work for me that well, but it also doesn't like ruin the game or anything. Uh, but it feels like a missed opportunity, if nothing else. It could have been the greatest one in the series. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It it, the potential is there. They were he was just not allowed to finish. Yeah. yeah. Very, very sad. Very sad. Very sad. Very sad. But they're going to make some great pachinko games over there. <laughs> yeah. so oh, my God. Exciting. I can't even think about that. <laughs> they, I mean, they already made the fucking Metal Gear Survive one, which. Right. And right. which I, I guess I guess the graphics look cool, but like ultimately it was pretty much garbage uh, cash in. I'll never and, play that and, game. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't exist. It, that, that doesn't exist to me. Square yeah. Enix p- just put out like a fake ass Metal Gear Solid 2, which apparently was uh, horrible as well. Like, um, just like they just ripped the designs. They like hired the same animator and just it's called uh, Left Alive. And it, it just it looks really cool, but apparently the gameplay is just garbage because you need someone as smart as Hideo Kojima uh, to make one of these games as fun. You can't just copy the look and the vague and the fact that you shoot and you sneak and make one of these games. That's why Metal Gear Solid, the whole series is so brilliant and one of the great, one of if not the greatest, you know, gaming uh, franchises um there ever has been maybe one of the greatest artistic works of our time because i mean we could barely get into like most of the good interesting cool fun unique innovative stuff that kojima did throughout Mm -hmm. this series we would have to spend a couple hours on each game because he did so much with this series and it's a you know a towering towering uh, achievement it's a shame he wasn't able to finish it the way he would have liked to do it but i am very much looking forward to what he can do with death stranding absolutely me too me too i'm i'm I'm, i look in the end of it all, it's a real fucking, it's a disgrace what they did to him. But now he's free of the Konami company. You know what I mean? And, like, it's it's they who have, like, been making him do sequel after sequel after sequel. Like, I am very, very excited to see Hideo Unbound. And I, I think that we're, so we're just in for excited. a new chapter here. I'm glad that it's taken so long. Yes. Too. Me too. After Me the too. last go around, take as much fucking time as you need. Me man. too. If this game takes like a decade, I'll be like, thank yeah. you, sir. Thanks for taking so long, sir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, folks. That was struggle section. Felix, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on uh, my new, po- uh, you know, you, anyone listening to this probably knows yeah. me. Uh, wow, me, me, me and my friend, me and my friends do a podcast called John Save America <laughs> on Crooked Media. We're all named John. All right, we're on the John, the John Network for Johns. <laughs> uh, I don't really have any plugs. I mean, I guess we we sold out like almost every European show except for Edinburgh and Manchester. What the fuck, man? Manchester, rise up. What the fuck, man? I, I, yeah, I, I know, I know people there. from Manchester. I'm very disappointed. Yeah, Yo, you know, yo. Yo, you know what's cool about this shit? We're doing the same venue Olver did in London. Oh. <laughs> That's fucking cool. Sub. But, uh, no, uh, E1 Live at the Hideout, May 19th in Chicago. Episode 1 Live also at the Bell House, July 22nd in Brooklyn. That's it, folks. Get your asses out there, Manchester. Come on, come on, mate. (laughs) Thank you. Come on, Manchester. (laughs) Uh, Let's all get it together. 
I'll get it together. All right, folks. Have a good one. Peace. Right, See ya. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.